Hey, this is Mark Thompson. I'm the voice of Yoda and many of the Star Wars audiobooks, and you are listening to Yodini. Welcome to the Living Force Podcast. I'm a visitor to your world. A Utini Podcast Network production. War is in your blood. Episode 142, Thrawn Ascendancy Lesser Evil Roundtable Part 1. I study the art of war. On this episode, a new Star Wars video game is announced. But you, you were forged by it. Eric gets to meet the Chosen One. Jedi business, go back to your drinks. And the Utini crew talks about the latest Zahn novel by Timothy Thrawn. <laughs> I will start my operations here and pull the rebels apart piece by piece. And now, here are your hosts, Dr. Corey Helton, Eric Eilerson, Dr. Charles Henkel, and Wes Jenkins. Utini! Hello, everyone! Welcome into the Living Force, the Utini Network podcast all about Star Wars books and the guy who's been here since the beginning, Thrawn himself. I'm one of your hosts, Eric Eilerson, and joining me tonight to talk all things Thrawn Ascendancy Lesser Evil are the boys. You know him, you love him. We start with a Dr. Corey Helton. What's up, dude? Hey, hey, hey! I got a new camera, kind of. It's actually just my phone, but there it is. <laughs> but it looks nice. Look how nice it I look. Good. I mean, you know, it's like that you zoom so filter nice. you can put on yourself, so it like you know hides your blemishes. I don't have that going, but you know, just pretend I do. Well, let's Obviously. pretend you can't see all of Corey's blemishes, guys. Don't mention it. Don't mention. Stop it. Stop. <laughs> be nice. Be nice. Uh, try to be just as nice as uh, just the lovely, nice man, Dr. Charles Hankel, sitting in front of a fire. Hey, bud. Oh, thank you. Uh, I was going to do the Fat Albert intro, but then Corey stole it, so um, I, have no, I have nothing else to say. What do I do with my hands? <laughs> just, uh, just, just let him stick there. But you know who would tell you what to do with your hands? Who would tell you what to do with your life? Who would have the wisdom beyond his years and beyond all ages? Wes Jenkins. There is only one more option, and it is I. And Charles, I am very jealous of your fireplace that you have, and you have a tree, and I just have blinds and the book that you I You got finished. the book! You finished it! That's the most it. important. Days ago. Days ago, friends. Who so, are you? really excited to talk about it. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, this is a whole new year. We're ending 2021 by reading the books. All of them. Uh, before All we can go in any further, though, of course, as always, make sure if you're watching us on YouTube, hello, hi, make sure to like the video, subscribe to the channel if you haven't already, if you're listening to us on a podcast platform and you haven't given us a review yet, you know what, it's the holiday season, it's the season of giving, so go ahead and give us that review, give us that five star, uh, if you don't think it's a five star podcast, um, Just don't. stay off iTunes, Just yeah. Just stay off, don't do it, don't do it. Uh, and, and, you know, we'll try to do better. Uh, but we appreciate you all, and because that's the end of the year, a reminder that the Utini voting is open for the 2021 Utinis. Uh, go over to utini.com, find the article, or click the link in the description in the doobly-doo down below. Make sure you get your votes in by Christmas Eve. If you don't know what the Utinis are, go to last show, or the last episode of your podcast feed, episode 141. We went through all the nominees of our book of the year, <laughs> of our social media butterfly, of the best comic, all that good stuff. Your vote does matter. And two weeks from tonight, we will be giving away the 2021 Utini Awards. Stay tuned for that. All right, a couple things. Uh, before we get to... Oh, sorry, and the URL would be helpful. Go to utini.com slash awards. That's awards, plural. Utini.com slash awards. We'll get you right there. And that link that Wes just dropped in the chat will take you right to the voting ballot. 
So this weekend, y'all, I did a little fun thing that I haven't done in four years. I went to C2E2, the Chicago Comic Con and Entertainment Expo. I usually go there for comics. I go there to see artists. I got a couple cool sketches. I got to meet some great people, including Chase, that gay Jedi from Serving Pink Milk. I saw Laura from Force Toast, where I was hugging. There was vaccine, vaccine card mandates and masks. It was great. But I did go there for one very specific reason, and it's to get the picture that we're about to show up here on the screen. I got to meet, in person, the chosen one himself. Mr. Hayden Christensen. Mm. Uh, yeah, there's a picture of me losing my... I, I, I had no chill. We're in my Utini shirt. <laughs> You're about um, to explode. <laughs> I, I, it, it was it was crazy because there, there was a piece of plexiglass. You can you can see in the picture, but they do a great job of like hiding it. Um, but I just like went in. I'm like, all right, you can take your mask down. And I just I went up to him and I'm like... Hey, man, I'm so glad you're back. And he's like, oh, man, thanks so much. That's so nice. I'm like, okay. And then we took a picture. <laughs> and, then he, and, then, and then I'm like, bye. And he goes, man, it was great to meet you. I'm like, it was so good to meet you, chosen one. Um, it's yeah. like from it's a cool. Christmas story where Santa asks him in the department store what he wants for Christmas. And he forgets. He freezes. And he's like, oh, football. Yeah, the, football. The elf, like, pushes him down the slide. It's the best part of that whole movie. And he's like, wait, no, no. You're the chosen one. I run a Star Wars company. Yes. Oh, it was God. just wildly cool. And they give you, like, a digital print of it, of course, that I will hang in my home later on uh but it, it was it was it was amazing it was all the people in line were were everyone was nice everyone was was in order it was just everyone freaking out to meet Hayden Christensen and that feeling of the Ahmed best like standing ovation was how it felt to be in that line and we all got our pictures and it was oh. it was just great it looks pretty. It looks pretty happy, genuinely. Now, yeah, after yeah, all this time, yeah. I mean, I've seen pictures of him at other conventions and stuff, and he doesn't look like happy. Like he seems from- so. It was. I mean, stressful environment because it's like go, 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 and he was just cool as a cucumber. Cannot wait. Uh, loved that. But of course, Sick. I had to do a little business. Of course, while I was there, guys, I had to rep the brand. <laughs> so I didn't just go meet Hayden Christensen. I also met Light of the Jedi writer, superstar, comic writer Charles Soule. Uh, went over, he was doing a signing. I bought his new comic, 8 Billion Genies. I bought his book, The Oracle Year. And of course, told him how much I loved his Star Wars work. And y'all, I, coolest moment of the day, second coolest, Hayden was obviously number one. But I walked up and he said, oh, he saw my shirt. He said, oh, you teeny, is that you? I'm like, yeah, I'm the, I'm the president of the company. We, we run it. He's like, oh man, I love what you guys do. He has never been on the show. We have never <laughs> emailed him. So that was just an amazing moment. That is pretty rad. Him knowing who we are, think, and that <clears throat> felt incredible. <laughs> you know, we yeah. we are we are coming up into 2022, and like I've been obviously pushing this a lot in some of our internal channels at Utini. Every year, we like really push like planning and goals, and like mm-hmm. I feel weird about it this year for some reason. It's like I feel like we are finally in a recognizable space. Like we're like kind of past that. Bre- we're, we're not just breaking into the the community. We're kind of there now. I yeah. feel like and we got like these lovely people watching right yes. now. We got all these people listening. Like we see yes. you guys, and it's amazing. It's fantastic. It's fantastic. And for for Kevin or for Kevin for Charles Soul to be like, oh yeah, Utini, I love you guys. That's like what we're here for, man. I love that. Yeah. I want I want people to feel that we're having a positive impact on the community, and that's awesome. That that like yeah. made my day when you shared that in our in our channels, Eric. And I hopefully means that means that Kevin Scott, Daniel Jose Older, and Claudia Gray all actually had good times in the show because that higher public slack would have flamed us if they didn't. Uh, so <laughs> I'm super happy about that. 
Um, and then one more shout out. Speaking of community, there's a great fan art community of Star Wars. And today I shared on Twitter the first piece of Star Wars fan art I've ever commissioned. This digital painting uh, from Uzuri Art over on Twitter uh, and Instagram of Loden Great Storm. I commissioned this a while back and I just told them I want Loden Great Storm. And I want, like, a, a, I paid premium for a, a complex background. But this is what I got. And this is a freak. Put this in a museum. I was blown <laughs> away. This is Loden on Elfrona with, like, the little uh, the horse that he's on when he shoots the cannon. And just looking regal. Like, this is exactly the character I've imagined in my head. It looks like, and, a, it looks like a, a book cover, 100%. Yes, oh, yes, yeah. exactly. It looks like an out-of-print variant. <clears throat> Yeah, so just a shout-out to Missouri. Go follow them on Twitter. Follow them on Instagram. They do do commissions. They have a huge commission list, but they're super communicative about um, deadlines and about when I could expect things. They were they wanted to make sure I got what I wanted. Clearly so in love with Star Wars. Knew exactly about all the higher public. Um, yeah, go support digital art, especially in the holiday times. Commission some art for your friends and family if you don't have a gift yet. It would be perfect. But you know what else would be perfect? Speaking of gifts, speaking of giving things, what's perfect is our Patreon community. We want to say thank you to Dan Humphreys, who jumped on the monthly Patreon train uh, this past week. Thank you so much. We hope you are enjoying the content. Uh, given the holiday schedules, a few of our Patreon shows, such as Ghost Crew and Cafes, have been pushed back scheduling a little bit. Uh, some are taking breaks because of life. Some are getting back on track. Some are still recording all the time. We got a uh, Star Wars Archives just did another episode on Sunday. Uh, they recorded that we can't wait for. But we hope you are loving everything. We hope you're loving the commentaries. We apps. We say this a lot. We are legit getting together to talk about the Rogue One video commentary date this last month. I. It was insane. It was insane. Um, <laughs> but you've hard. earned it. They're always they, hard. they are hard. We'll do the best we can, and we also love you all. Thank you for your support. Head over to patreon.com slash utini. See what you can get extra. See how you can help support the show so we can keep making this content. And honestly, at this point, I think it's safe to say most of the dollars that we get are going to go towards uh, our showing at Celebration next year. It's coming soon. Yeah. It's coming soon. So I'm we cannot so wait excited. to see you there um, and help us kind of make that the best experience possible for everyone. All right. This week in the Star Wars community, there was one piece of news that overshadowed everything. <laughs> it's not a pun, but you'll understand why it is in a second. Um, at the Game Awards, we got a brand new announcement, a brand new reveal of a new Star Wars game called Star Wars Eclipse. There was a new trailer. It was one of the most visually impressive looking trailers in the history of media. I'll just straight up say it. And we want to ch share our excitement for it in just a second. Before we do, we do want to address the company that is making the game Star Wars Eclipse is Quantic Dream, and if you've been on Twitter or in the gaming space, there's been a lot of talk about people that are higher-ups at that company, um, and allegations and misconduct involving a bunch of bad behaviors. A lot of our friends over at, like, uh, Pink Milk and other places like that have done deep dives into a lot of their content, because there have been remarks made uh, by the CEO especially that hurt a lot of communities within our Star Wars community, like the LGBTQ community, um, people of color, women, all those things. All of those things um, are available on the internet, and everyone is going to react to them as they will. We are choosing, uh, I guess, for the most part, uh, to be excited about the game because there are so many people making this game, and hundreds of them are great, amazing, passionate people. There are, unfortunately, as in a lot of industries, people at the top, who are total jerks and who are very inappropriate and should not be allowed to have freedom in these kind of spaces. 
But, uh, personally, I am choosing to buy Star Wars Eclipse when it comes out and also take the price of the game and donate it to an LGBTQ plus charity uh, to show them that I love you and I'm going to put my money where my mouth is there because taking a few cents away from a CEO is not as impactful to me as giving money to a nonprofit organization. So we just want to get that out of the way. We're not going to have the big conversation about David Craig and all those things here, but I do encourage you to search out those conversations for people that can speak far more eloquently than we can. Now, for the content itself, Star Wars Eclipse came out with a cinematic trailer that was accidentally leaked like half an hour before the awards. Uh, but I want to read the description real quick, and then, guys, we're going to go through some screenshots. And I just want to hear what you're stoked about about this game. Star Wars Eclipse will be an intricately branching action-adventure game that can be experienced in multiple ways, putting the destinies of an array of playable characters in your hands. Your choices will be at the heart of the experience, as every decision can have a dramatic impact on the course of the story. Through these decisions, players will forge their own legend in the golden age of the Jedi. Star Wars Eclipse is currently in the early stages of development. And, of course, the biggest deal of all. Yo, this is a game in the High Republic. They're making what? a High Republic video game. Yeah. The hell. Holy crap. I mean, this it's is like happening. the biggest thing biggest thing ever. So We never... <clears throat> We never really thought that they would do a video game before they did like a like a TV show yes, or an animated exactly. show. Yes. No way. Like yeah, not in a no, million years. There's no way. I never would have picked this. It's crazy. List. Yeah. No. And like when the trailer first dropped, obviously our Discord, our Slack, Twitter, everywhere blew up with, "Oh my God, it's a Star Wars game! Oh my God, it's a High Republic game!" But y'all, these the visuals of this trailer. Like it, it, it's yeah. better than the films. The yeah, dude with I mean, the monkeys. Is, the dude with know, those dude. little green monkeys. Yeah. Oh <laughs> my <laughs> word! It looked it looked exactly like Jetta, like one hundred percent. Like the, it yes. looked like live action CGI. It was incredible. Like yes, it's a cinematic trailer. Of course, you realize this is not gameplay footage. Of like that's not a thing, right? Um, although they did reveal Unreal Engine six, five. five. Yeah, five. Yeah, last that Matrix week, demo which, that looks look, like a, it looks yeah. like that game. But We're anyway, that's 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 beside the point. <laughs> Uh, this trailer is insane. Wes, don't you have a bunch of screenshots that we can we can throw up? Like, yeah, I, absolutely. This Let uh, us, the this game does like. not. It does not look like anything we've this. ever seen before. Like, this no. is just this is open world right here. If this was battle royale, dude, right oh here, God. every man for himself. <laughs> Fortnite, we about to get down. <laughs> the kills it's on the crazy. board right now. It's crazy. This the whole was a great trailer. shot. It was yeah. the ship like falling apart. Mando yes. vibes, hardcore. Yes, for sure. This yeah, guy dude. with the green, green monkeys. monkeys. Yeah, three eyes. They have three eyes. Yeah, three mm-hmm. eyes and a little red nose. Maybe he uh, does. He have three eyes. Also, look at his glasses. He's he got. Might. I didn't notice that. He's got that weird thing in the middle. It looks kind of like a third eye almost. There, there's Greedo to the left. Of course. Yeah, <laughs> and all these pictures we're looking at, by the way, if you go to the Quantic Dream uh, Star Wars Eclipse website and you sign up for the newsletter, you get access to like the fan kit, and that's what <clears> this is. That's where these are all coming from. And I would love that blanket in the back, by the way. The textures are just right. out of this world. Yeah. Like, none like... of this is real. None of this Wait, is real. Tell me this is not a real shot. This is a movie shot. This. Look at this. Yeah. This dude. looks like live action, dude. I, I mean, I, th- I don't think any of us watched this trailer and did not have a split second of hesitation of like, is this real? Is this real footage? Like, is this, yeah. is this real? Like, it, it's impressive. Yeah. It's oh, very, like, very impressive. This shot. Ultimately, if you... Yeah, Charles, what are we looking at? I, I mean, I don't know what that. It's like a giraffe-ish type creature <laughs> yeah. with like just this gorgeous landscape <laughs> behind it. Um, I, I don't know even how to describe it. You, you really have to see these images for yourself. If you're just it's listening God's to thumb this, from holes, 
Okay. Yeah. <laughs> There's onions at the top of there. Um, if only, if only the woodpecker cried. The park I got legitimate as the sky. All right. Aside from holes, which is all right. Here we go. Here we go. This is the most yeah. iconic shot in the whole yes. freaking trailer. This is absolutely Yoda in the Jedi Temple in the uh, the council chambers, looking off across Coruscant. Like, isn't that those like golden robes? Yeah. Those are the like Sith. Not, oh my god. Those are like golden Jedi High Republic robes. It is, and it, it's amazing because the trailer, because the trailer, you know, we didn't get much about what's happening. There was drumming. We saw what we assume might be like the bad guys yeah. that were like doing this this big beat, and then we saw Jedi flying all over the place. Kind of just a mood trailer, but this is absolutely the golden age we've read about in the books. Yeah. Like this is it's peaceful, yeah. it's serene, but also has that little bit of darkness. Like literally in this shot on the left, it's darker over on the left. The sun is setting or is it rising? Yeah. Like what's going on? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm I'm really the, Yoda's hair is blonde instead of white. Oh, don't don't yeah. do that. He's in his party it's... boy times. <laughs> He's got a nice comb over. Um it's it's interesting to me. I want to know where are we within the High Republic? Like where is this in relation yeah. to what we've It feels late. Read? It does it feel feels late because there are trade federation closer, ships. Yeah, it feels closer to Phantom Menace than it does what we're currently getting in the timeline. Possible, which but also which it's we, all possible. We, we also don't really know what the what the High Republic Initiative is going to do in the timeline. Or like, are they going to cover like the whole like three hundred years or so? Because they certainly could. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Maybe like we. Oh yeah, here's those guys you're talking, Charles from Jeddah, the priests. Um, that were both in the uh, the Charles Soul Star Wars run. no Kieran Gillen sorry Star Wars run I believe mm. um, on Jeddah mm. and they were in Rogue One as well like that could have just mm. been a shot from Rogue One if you told me that I'd be like yeah of course it is yeah um, kind of resemble the Pikes a little bit too. yeah it does yeah yeah but again tying in tying the universe together tying the universe together love it um, and is there yeah here's there a Nemoidian guy friend is there Looking is there a Nemoidian can. Is there a shot of the uh, the Android people guys? Do you, is that a thing? You know I'm talking about Android people guys. No, I didn't. I didn't you know, you know what I'm talking about? Like there was all those soldiers at the end of the trailer that are marching. Like I really want to know what that oh, is. Yeah, oh yeah. yeah. I was like, oh, mm, these guys? okay. Oh, this crazy shot. No, this like, shot. The, the, the two lightsabers. Obviously, gold sabers for me. Anyone that knows me, anytime I see something gold, I'm freaking out about it. But a gold saber, the blue a lot, saber. A lot of people like Game of Thrones though. <laughs> yeah, and a lot of people talk about that curved hilt on the left too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I've seen that too, like Dooku's hilt. Yeah, but bad math in the hilts. Yeah, I mean, and the, honestly, <laughs> I thought this was the Nile when we first saw it that they were fighting off against. But who knows if the Nile are still around? I mean, that's right. a good point. It could be anything, and I don't know if we have a picture of this, but there was also speaking of the lightsabers, the moment of the Jedi dueling on like the glorious mm-hmm. temple grounds, like yeah. that. People yeah. are like, is that Vern? Is it Bell? Like, what's going on? Just absolutely gorgeous. Just gorgeous stuff. I can't believe that this is happening, and I cannot. Yeah. I just can't wait to, to, to I, be I in the still, world of higher public. I know. I'm still very unclear in how this is even possible. Like, you know, right. there is a lot of rumors saying that this is probably three, four years out still, which is which is yep. fine. Early stages of development, yeah. <clears throat> right? Is, um, far yeah. enough along that they have a you know million dollar trailer, but that's beside the point. Um, yeah. Like uh, seriously, maybe that this looked, was maybe this was an old Republic game originally, and they sort of flash converted it to maybe. a newer Repu- new Repu- or a higher Republic. I, I don't know. I, I don't know how this happened, but I'm I'm here for it. <laughs> yeah, oh, speculation, Corey. Yeah. Like getting rid of getting rid of the legends of the old Republic. I know, game, and then they're adding the canon of the High Republic. I'm all about yeah. that, man. Like I, I would love to see some of the stuff that we've seen in books and comics and stuff brought to life in a video game. Like we've never seen yeah. that happen before. So that's super cool. 
Well, it's also interesting because the, the studio itself is known for games that are more like interactive movies than like straight up like action adventure games. This says an action adventure game, which sounds more like mm-hmm. Fallen Order, but their games like Heavy Rain and Detroit Become Human historically are more like cutscenes that you're making decisions during more so than actually active games. So I'm excited to see what that balance is because obviously if it's cutscene stuff that you're making decisions in, you can go for higher graphic quality because they don't have to you know map out as many movements that you're going to make. But action adventure would probably be more fun. But like you said, it's probably earliest 2023. Um, But I assume now at Celebration, maybe we'll get more. This is like five, six months down the road. Maybe we get a little something else. But very excited for that. Again, as as you want to buy it or not, it's going to be your decision on what you want to support. Make sure that you know, regardless of what you decide, the people that uh, are being heard, make sure they know you love them. Send some love to some people. Celebrate some Star Wars, and uh, most of all, love those three-eyed monkey things. They're really fantastic. <laughs> uh, but even though you can't play that game soon, you can read books soon. And make sure you go to utd.com slash, I don't know the URL. Go to our new releases calendar. Is this slash new releases? Yeah. Uh, and Okay, slash new releases. you got to get those pre-orders in for the Fallen Star. Speaking of the higher public, it's coming in like three weeks, y'all. I know that's soon. It's, re- it's really soon. It's actually released. <laughs> that link in the description. <laughs> the very last link in the description is all our new releases. Yeah. Go get them. Get the pre-orders in. Supply chain is still a thing, and you want your books. Whew. All right. Now, for everyone that has been watching so far that has not read Throne Alliance's Lesser Evil, Throne Ascendancy Lesser Evil, sorry, uh, we love you. Have a great night or have a great rest of your jog or work day, whatever you're doing as you're listening to us. Because when we get back from the break, we are going full spoilers on our part one roundtable of Throne Ascendancy, Lesser Evil by Timothy Zahn. So have a great night. The rest of you, stick around. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody. It is Eric, president of Uchini and co-host of The Living Force, which you may be watching right now, here to tell you about something that's going to make the holidays a bit easier. We have made a new website for you called utini.gifts. Now, this is a website that is based around the fact that shopping for Star Wars fans is very hard. We like a lot of things. We also don't like a lot of things. So we at Utini have made some curated gift guides for you to make shopping for those in your life a little easier and make shopping for you a bit easier for people in your life. So whether you want Star Wars apparel, you want collectibles, you want stuff for gamers, you want stuff that's only featuring the child, you want stuff for your office, kitchen, what have you, we got guides for you curated through sites like Etsy, through sites like Amazon, through anything you can imagine. We have scoured the internet for really fun stuff. Head over to utini.gifts, that's gifts plural, like things you're going to find under the tree. Get shopping today, get anything you want for the Star Wars fan in your life, and let us know what you think. All right, and as a reminder, folks, that is utini.gifts is still up and live for all your last-minute gift-getting needs. We only got a couple weeks till the holidays, so make sure to get those in for the Star Wars lover in your life. All right, Charles, this, this was only fitting that we ended 2021 with the most daunting task of just <laughs> sheer volume that we've had. It is time, finally, for the third book of the third third Thrawn trilogy, Thrawn Ascendancy, Lesser Evil. Let's do it. Yeah. All right. Well, let's do it. Uh, Star Wars Thrawn Ascendancy, Lesser Evil Roundtable. We're going to start this with a plot synopsis like we always do. Heads up. What you're about to hear is chronological. All right. So this is this is following the exact timeline in universe, not how it was laid out in the book, which has some interspersed memory chapters. Uh, get comfortable, guys. Get yourself a, a little hot chocolate, something like that, because we're going to be here for a few minutes. Here we go. 
In an earlier time, Thrawn meets Thras, a myth syndic, to be welcomed into the myth family. Thras is impressed with some of Thrawn's peculiar skills and is tasked him with in- and is tasked with ensuring Thrawn does not get reassigned to the Stybla family who is interested in him. In the process, Thras realizes he genuinely cares for Thrawn. Over the years, the bond between the two Chiss grows. They begin to work as a team. One mission in particular helps to cement their partnership when they're asked to recover a stolen item for the Stiblas. At a key point in this mission, Thras refers to Thrawn as his brother to gain a tactical advantage. Upon succeeding in their mission, the object they recover is revealed to be a piece of a legendary weapon called Starflash that the Stiblas discovered in lesser space thousands of years before. It's described as an energy weapon that fires into a sun to create a massive expulsion of energy, destroying everything around it. The weapon was used once before by the Chist to defeat an alien army invading the Ascendancy. Afterwards, its existence was kept a secret from all but the patriarchs and their senior aides who passed down that secret to each subsequent patriarch. However, firing the weapon into Chila's son caused it to weaken. And this is why Chila is ice-covered and why the Chiss have moved underground. As thanks for Thrawn's success, the Stiblis set up a ceremony to add the honorary suffix Odo to Thrawn's name. At the ceremony, Myth Patriarch Thraki divulges that he, he had hoped Thrawn and Thras would form a team after noting their complementary skill sets. Thras and Thrawn discuss their bond and realize that while they are not blood relatives, they do in fact consider each other brothers. Years later, Thras meets his untimely demise aboard a crashing ship, thus bringing his partnership with Thrawn to an end. Jumping ahead in the timeline, just after the battle for the Nyx mine between the Chiss families and Greater Good, Thrawn travels aboard the Springhawk to the planet Zizek, based on a hunch. There he finds General Illyrius Nakire, leader of the Kilji Illumin, accompanied by the mysterious Jixtus with a small force of amassed ships. Thrawn puts out a call, and despite Jixtus's warnings, Nakire answers. He reveals that he seeks to spread Kilji enlightenment throughout the galaxy. When Thrawn rejects his offer of enlightenment, Nakire vows to destroy the Chiss. Jixtus, however, warns that they must infiltrate other species before taking on the Ascendancy. Back on Chila, Supreme General Bakif is summoned by the Stabla family patriarch Lamiov to the headquarters for the Universal Analysis Group, or UAG, a group responsible for collecting, guarding, and studying alien technology. Bakif is asked to inspect new tech that Thrawn has returned, which he believes can predict when ships will exit, hi- exit hyperspace. Bakif is appalled to learn that Thrawn has the Magus, an alien matriarch in a hibernation chamber aboard the Springhawk, and immediately authorizes him to return her to her home planet, Sunrise. Uh, I, I love doing these roundtables because it's so obvious who, uh, who has read versus audiobooks <laughs> and different things, because everyone has different pronunciations, especially of Thrawn. All right, continuing. Elsewhere... Arlani and her crew return to the final Nikardun base and discover ships trying to dismantle it. Arlani succeeds in chasing them in chasing them off and sends a boarding party to investigate. New myth patriarch Thurfian meets with Sistalmu to discover their ongoing plans for Thrawn's downfall. His senior aide Thyvik grows concerned for Thurfian's priorities. Caretaker Thelius is then approached by Thyvik, who uh, gives her a message left to her by ex-patriarch Thraki. She isn't told what it is, only that she'll know what to do with it when the time is right. Jixtus reveals a massive Grisk warship, the Fate Spinner, to Nakir and makes it clear that the Grisk are the masters of the Kilji rather than vice versa. He then travels to the Ascendancy space and begins offering Chiss families a hollow that appears to show a stage fight between the Zodlak, the Dasklo, and the Irigal families. 
He claims it's evidence of a new alliance that threatens the power of balance in the ascendancy. Roscu of the Clar family is one such chiss approached by Jixtus. She presents the, the hollow to her patriarch and is ordered to further investigate. The expansionary defense fleet is, pla is placed on high alert due to Jixus's appearance, and ships are mobilized to better protect the ascendancy. Chiri begins having nightmares about the destruction of Sunrise, despite, despite never having seen the planet. Thalius and Thrawn grow concerned that the Magus is somehow communicating with her from her hibernation chamber. The Springhawk travels to Rapak and happens upon Kilji forces about to clash with a Nicardoon ship. Thrawn provokes the Kilgis and easily defeats them, but one ship escapes. It's revealed that the uh, Ungali. It's, it's revealed that Ungali, Thrawn's Pakian ally, is commanding the Nicardoon ship, which he took over in service of his own people. In the aftermath of the skirmish, the Chiss notice a single escape pod that was launched and capture it. Aboard, they find none other than Kilori of Uandulan, who had been navigating the Kilgis under orders from Jixtus. Thrawn forces Kilori to use his hyperspace abilities to follow the escape Kilji ship. Thrawn hatches a plan with, uh, with N'Gali aboard the Nicardoon ship and sends the Springhawk back to the Ascendancy. He intends to provoke an ally by Jixtus. Oh my gosh, I, I, this, there's so many alien words in this, I'm sorry. <laughs> he intends to provoke an attack by Jixtus that will convince the Aristocrat to fight back, but he does not wish to incrimi incriminate his entire crew. Shortly thereafter, acting Captain Simacro is alerted is alerted that the Springhawk is lost. He confronts Thaliots, who who reveals that Chiri was secretly following Thrawn to Sunrise rather than returning to the Ascendancy as ordered. She's so terrified by the visions of the Magus ascending her that Simacro obliges. Ablo among here, around the Ascendancy, skirmishes begin breaking out between the families. Roscu's Klar ship is ambushed by what appears to be other Chiss ships, but the attackers self-destruct when they are defeated. Arlani, Bakif, ba and Zyenda, formerly known as Lakinda, which totally threw me off in this book, by the way, <laughs> realize that aliens must be counterfeiting Chiss ships in an effort to incite conflict. They realize that the Nicardoon base may have been responsible. However, Roscu is convinced her family's biggest rivals, the Dasklo, are responsible and begins touring their worlds, looking for evidence. Bakif then sends Zyenda to prevent conflict from breaking out between the two families. Thrawn, aboard the Nicardoon ship, arrives at sunrise to find the escaped Kildi ship alongside a Grisk ship. A battle ensues, and Thrawn and the Pakash are able to chase off the Grisk. They are... Also able to gather some intel from the Kilji ship before it's destroyed. The, Spring, the Springhawk then arrives, but Thrawn quickly sends them back to the Ascendancy with their new intel. Aralani meets with Yiv the Benevolent in a Chiss prison deep underground. She convinces him that he was betrayed by Jixtus. Yiv agrees to give up all the information he has on Jixtus and the Grisks, but only in return for exile. In her attempt to incriminate the Dasklos, Rosku is nearly killed by a Grisk missile launcher disguised as an asteroid. However, Zyenda is able to save her. Rosku is scalded by her patriarch for failing to expose the Dasklos and reveals that he has made moves to empower the Klar family. Rosku discovers a huge fleet of alien warships and realizes that her family is working with Jixtus. After a narrow escape, she realizes that her family is headed toward ruin. Back on Sunrise... Thrawn successfully takes over the Grisk mining colony. 
He surmises that Sunrise's true prize was not the Nyx, but rather the Magus due to her ability to touch the beyond. He believes Jixus hoped to use her ability to help win wars. Kilori reports Thrawn's actions to Jixus, who believes Thrawn is trying to use the Magus for the Chiss. Using the information she received from Thoraki, Thalius visits a secret facility called the Seeker's Shade House, where Skywalkers are trained. She hopes to get answers from its director, Borika, about Chiri's connection to the Magus. Though Borika attempts to brush off questions, Thalius eventually reveals that she knows Borika is actually Thrawn's sister. Borika tells Thalius about a process called fading, the intentional erasure of all of Skywalker's memories that is performed to keep them under better control by the Chiss military. Before Thalius can learn more, she is urgently ordered back to the Springhawk. She tries to convince Borica to come along to meet Thrawn, but is refused. As more fights between families break out across the Ascendancy, the expansionary defense fleet forces are recalled to Naparar. Thrawn goes to the UAG and alerts Lamiov and Bakif to Jixtus's plan. He requests access to alien technology to help him stop him. Thrawn then sends word to his most trusted colleagues, imploring them to rendezvous with him rather than return to Naparar. Arlani, Zyenda, and even Rosku answer the call. Thalius and Samacro go to Thurfian in an attempt to get aid for Thrawn, but Thurfian refuses. Understanding the severity of the situation, Thalius pulls out a concealed weapon and threatens Thurfian to get what Thrawn needs. The Circle of Unity, a gathering of the nine ruling families' patriarchs, takes place. Thurfian convinces the patriarchs to send forces to Sunrise to bring Thrawn back for judgment. The Magus escalates her tactics and entirely takes over Chiri's body to speak through her. She predicts a horrible battle which can only be won if she uses Chiri as a conduit to see the future. Samacro threatens to bombard Sunrise and the Magus relents. Kilori returns to Jixus to guide the... The amassed Grisk fleet to Sunrise for the final battle. However, upon arriving, they discover the Chiss fleet floating dead in space. Alright. Jix disbelieves to have found the aftermath of the Ascendancy trying to apprehend Thrawn. He reaches Thrawn out in the comms, who tells Nakir that the entire Kilji kill horde has been eliminated by the Patatus. Nakir blames Jixtus and tries to attack him, but Jixtus kills him. When he does, all the Kilji vassals on the ship collapse. Suddenly, the entire Chiss fleet comes back to life in a maneuver that had been they had been practicing for days. Thrawn offers Jixus a chance to surrender, but Jixus instead takes an escape pod to the Fate Spinner, leaving Kilori alone on the dead Kilji ship. A tremendous battle commences. The Chiss employ a gravity well generator that Thrawn took from the UAG to manipulate the, the movements of ships, but Jixus is able to figure it out and stop them. In a key moment, Vat Combine and Garwian Unity Fighters suddenly appear from an asteroid cluster nearby where they had been lying in wait, like very Han Solo. They help turn the tide of the battle in favor of the Chiss. Jixtus realizes the battle is lost and attempts to escape the system, but Kilori moves to stop him. He commands the Kilji vassals back to attention and declares himself their new master. He orders the ship to fire on the Fate Spinner with all its power. The Fate Spinner is disabled, and Jixtus is defeated. He offers a final threat against Thrawn and the whole of the ship's ascendancy, but then all of the Grisk ships self-destruct. In the aftermath of the battle, the main characters find themselves acclimating to a new normal. Rosku has become a figurehead for the disgraced Klar family. Thalius and Cherry return to the Seeker's Shade House with Borica in an attempt to understand her connection to the Magus. 
Sam Crow is promoted to senior captain and given back command of the Springhawk. A tribunal is held and Thrawn is sentenced for what are considered crimes against the Ascendancy, including unprovoked attacks and military alliances with other alien species. He loses his position in the expansionary defense fleet as well as his status as a merit adoptive in the Myth family. He is then sentenced to exile on an uninhabited world to spend the rest of his days. Afterward, Bakif reveals that Thrawn's fate was actually his idea. While he knew exile would appease the Aristocra and spare the remainder of the involved Chiss, it would also be a plan it would also plan to allow Thrawn to continue his fight against uh, against the enemies of the Chiss ascendancy. While Thrawn will be cut off from the Ascendancy, he will have the opportunity to seek out General Skywalker in the new Galactic Empire, where he can continue working on understanding and eventually overcoming the Grisk threat. The end. And then wow. the Thrawn trilogy. <laughs> yeah, I I want to I want to quote something that is at least attributed to Harrison Ford when he said infamously. You can type this crap, George, but you can't say it. That's how I feel <laughs> oh about God. reading this synopsis. Mark Thompson yeah, needs a raise yeah. for all the Thrawn books. He's oh double God. the rate. Seriously. We, we were, t- we were well talking done. right right before the show of like of like the audiobook. Like I have never read most of these words because I exclusively listened to the audiobook this time. And yeah. like I, I didn't I had to like this freaked me out yeah. <laughs> like yeah. in my brain. Like I could not <laughs> process a lot of the stuff that I was just saying. I'm like, who the hell are these characters? Oh yeah. Like mm-hmm. put the words, it was ridiculous. That's weird. Yeah. Oh man. Well, mm-hmm. as, as we're coming down from that, I hope that that was helpful. That was for sure the longest synopsis we've ever done, but that was, that was roughly four pages of a Google doc. That was almost 600 pages of a book. So that's about as good yeah. as we could do. Um, <laughs> now I want to hear what y'all think about this book. I want to go around. Let's rate it one to 10 as we always do. And with 30 seconds or so, give me your supporting argument. Why you're giving the score that you are. Let's start this time with Wesley. righty. So I... I finished this book yesterday. Nice. And I put off listening to the last 15 minutes for probably an hour because I listened to it and I played it back and then I was doing something and I played it and I I keep hitting back the 30 second button because I listen I listened to most of it. I read the beginning of it. Um but I finally got to the end of it and oh my god, it answered a lot of questions that I had after reading Thrawn the original Thrawn canon book. So, I mean, character development in this book, amazing. Um, Just the new characters that they brought on and then the ones that they kept throughout the trilogy and made them important throughout was great. Um, And then just the the hook and the twist at the very end, I thought was great because I I thought it was going in one direction and even though it was the same outcome, it went into a completely different direction I love that part. So, Having said all that, I would probably give this book it might get it might get my highest rating that I gave this year. Whoa. I want to give it a 9.7. Mm, I wow. really, really like the end of this Great yeah. story. Okay. I loved it. I loved it. All right. Wow. That's incredible. Uh, Eric, what do you think? All right. Uh, I like Wes's idea. I'm going to I'm going to say why first and then end with the score. That was fun. Um it's like a review. <laughs> I I think this is the most Thrawn book, the most Zon Thrawn book of the series so far. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah. in in a in a great way. I think that this is the most untethered we've seen Zahn. I think this book rounded out the trilogy in a really kind of brilliant way. And it, I've never read a book that is such a momentum read. When I started it, I was reading it digitally in small spurts, and I had a really, really, really hard time um, getting into it and focusing. Because every time I started, I felt like I had to get about 10 pages in to get back in the rhythm. Mm-hmm. But when I felt the book in my hands and I sat down and I committed to reading, I blew through the last 300 pages. Like, not in one sitting, but, like, <laughs> so much easier. And just watching the machinations of Thrawn at the end, I saw the character Zahn has been wanting us to see for years. He's not too overpowered, but he's absolutely the smartest in the room. I know what he cares about. Mm-hmm. I love all the Spring Hawk crew. I love Thras, which we'll talk about a lot. I just thought it was probably the best one in the trilogy, which again, if you go back on my ratings, this may not link up because I emotionally rate and I own that. But I will <laughs> give this book a nine point four. Mm. Very, very impressive, very great book. Uh, I somehow still want more, even though it's done. Fantastic. Yeah. Is it? All right. <laughs> Corey, <laughs> what do you think? Uh man, I think you're you're right. This Eric, this is uh this is definitely Thrawn's like dissertation. Like holy crap. Yeah. Zahn's is a dissertation. I'm gonna do that. I do that every You've time. You've been doing that for three years, man. <laughs> three years, man. Awesome. I, I mix up the words Zahn and Thrawn. I mean, yeah, here we are. Uh, this is his dissertation, man. Like this book is, like he really got to stretch and flex, uh, like in this in this book. Like I mean, it felt like the most hardcore Zon book we've ever read. Like Thrawn, if you don't feel like you understand Thrawn after having read the Thrawn Ascendancy trilogy, then you clearly miss the point. Like he's like one of the most well developed characters in any any books that is out there. Like uh, we understand his morality, his his values, why he fights. Like, is Thrawn a villain? I don't know. Like, <laughs> there's so many, <laughs> so many questions. Yeah. This this book was was really really rich, man. Like, uh, uh, like Wes, I also did mostly the audiobook experience with this one. Um, Mark Thompson is brilliant. Like, his uh, his characterization of everybody is very very good. His voices are very very good. You recognize the characters from the voices alone. It's hard to go back to normal audiobooks after listening to Mark Thompson do Star Wars books. Yeah. Um, I did something a little different for this one because I wanted to be objective about my my score. Um, and because, like, last week uh, we were talking in Slack, and I was like, I think I'm going to give this book a 10. And I was like, nah, I got to quit doing that, really. Like, <laughs> like really, I got to quit doing that. I mean, we, we don't even have a 10 on our website, guys. Like, even, yeah. like, Rinds of the Sith is 9.9 on our on our, yeah. on the site, right? It's, it's, we don't even have a single yeah. perfect score. So I did something different, and I like took paper and I like went through how we review books with uh, originality, writing, entertainment, plot, characters, um, and my average is a nine point four. Also, Eric, so I think awesome. I'm going with nine point four. Man, you, we should get you on the review team, Corey. If you actually read the books on time, that'd be great. That sounds awesome. <laughs> like Wes, I also finished. It I last will week. never be on that review team. Oh man. The other thing, I, the other last point I'll make. The other thing that I was like, I always carry forward with me into round tables is like how anxious was I to finish the book? And uh, Wes and I talked at one point of like, if you are, if you listen to the book in your commute and then like you get home after a long day of work and you sit in your driveway for like five, 10 minutes to listen to the book, that's a good sign. All right. Oh, yeah. It's a yeah. really if good you guys sign. Were in it. 
Yes, and I found myself really wanting to listen to this audiobook. And by the way, the audiobook is 23 hours, so like you have to be committed to listen to the audiobook. <laughs> yeah, so along those lines, I was listening to it yesterday. I, I finished it around 7 p.m., and I like to multitask when I'm listening to these audiobooks. So I, I mowed the yard uh, yesterday, and then I couldn't – I didn't want to put it down – so I I made myself do something else in the yard. So I like I I dug out these roots that I had in my in my flower bed that needed to come out. That took an extra 30 45 minutes just so I could keep listening to the audio. That's fantastic. And in, in wow. that outside setting to take it in better. It was great. That's, That's cool. Awesome. I thought about that. <laughs> I, Charles bring us home. Yeah, Charles. I I agree with everything I said. Really, all the points he made, I won't belabor them. All I'll say is that I was really blown away by how much story Zahn was able to pack into this trilogy, considering we knew where at least Thrawn needed to end up, right? Like, we, we, it was very Star Wars in that aspect, right? Like, we knew where things were going to end up. We, we got through Thrawn's story in a very jump around way, not just with the memory chapters interspersed, but also with starting with the, the first canon Thrawn book doing all this stuff with the Grisk in the future and then jumping back here and, and getting through that whole story really incredibly done. So I agree with y'all. I did not write things out on a, on a yellow legal pad because I do not own one of those. <laughs> it's a mini legal pad and I bought a pack of 10. All right. <laughs> Shut up, all right? Let me know. Get back to me when you finish using all 10 of those um, <laughs> for like 10 years, dude, you're going to use the first page of all 10 of them. Um, that's, that's very true. Uh, I will give this book a 9.3. That is a gut feeling for me. But again, nice. all nine, all nine or above uh, is, yeah. I think that's something that doesn't happen yeah. too, too often. Usually at what's least our, one of us is a little. Fi- Eric, do you know what our official score of this book was on the site? I'll pull it up. You don't remember. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah I don't remember off the top of my head. But while you're pulling that up, Corey, I just want to, this uh, is an inner outline and it might be at the end of the round table, but I'm going to be jumping ahead because I don't read the prompts because I like to be surprised. <clears throat> do you guys think, because I'll say I do think this, is this the best Thrawn trilogy? And I think it is. I think I the think Ascendancy is. is the best yeah. overall average quality trilogy yeah. of Thrawn. It is. It is. Uh, 9.2 9. is our official rating. Okay, 8.8 cool. 8. 8. 8. for plot, 9.2 for characters, 8.7 for writing, 9.6 for entertainment, 9.5 for originality. Yeah. I don't know why I, don't know why I went through all those individual points, but 9.2. No, okay. <laughs> 9.2. So us and the company as a whole from the whole review team, 9+. plus. And that's pretty incredible. Just, just to be clear, um, Eric is on the review team. Um, you know, just to be clear, like the company is a lot better at rating books than we are. <laughs> just, just for the record, like they have a much more objective and really well thought out. We just kind of like, and eh, nine point five. Yeah, right now. <laughs> yeah, right. So yeah. you know, like Corey's little legal pad description there is basically what we do on a larger scale. We go like repeatedly when I write the reviews, I try to take in all the things and just to be clear. The, yeah. the, the yeah. thoughts and opinions you hear on this show do not officially represent the views of Utini. Yeah. The All rest right, of us, <laughs> the rest of us are not on the review team, so so we're just throwing stuff out there. Um, all right, so let's jump into characters, y'all, because yes. uh, we got to talk about Thrawn. That's who we're going to start with. Who else will we start with? Somehow, here we are at the end of the third trilogy, featuring a character first introduced to Star Wars in 1991 y'all and i'm willing to bet just like Corey said earlier those of us who have read all that material probably feel like we understand thrawn better than we ever have before 
So I'd like to give you all a few quotes as we've been doing with recent roundtables regarding Thrawn. And then I have a few prompts for you. Take the conversation where you will, and we'll wrap things up from there. First quote from 535, pretty late in the book. Samacro says, Trust was what made a warship function. Trust between the commander and his officers. Trust among the officers themselves. Knowing one another's strengths, knowing one another's commitments was what let them charge confidently into battle. It was what let them face off against the fleet of giant alien warships without hesitation or qualm. It was especially what enabled them to win. Okay, later on, Simacro again, he's got a lot of great thoughts and quotes about Thrawn. does. We have this quote. Simacro leaned on the back of Afpria's seat and lowered his voice to a level where only the weapons officer could hear him. The end of a perfect day. What do you think? I think he's playing with fire, sir, Afpria said bluntly. He has enemies in both the council and the syndicure who are just begging for an excuse to drop him down a deep hole. This could be their chance. I know, Sumacro said, but if he's right, there may be considerably more at stake than one man's career. All right, later on, we have Lamiov talking with Bakif, and he says, do you ever regret it? The path we started all those years ago? Do I regret it, Bakif asked, or do I regret him? Not sure that's a different question, Lamiov said. To answer your question, no, I don't regret it. Though I'll admit there have been times when I was defending him in front of some group of syndics that I wished we'd chosen <clears throat> someone else. Was there anyone else? No, Bakif said, but that's the point, isn't it? There wasn't, there isn't, nor is there likely to ever be one again. So some great quotes there um, that give us insight into who Thrawn is, how he functions. <clears throat> and we, we see how incredibly loyal people are to Thrawn. That's a thread throughout this entire trilogy. And I'm curious, here at the end of things, quote-unquote, which is kind of the beginning, what a Star Wars thing to say, um, (laughs) what is it about Thrawn that inspires such loyalty? And on the back of that, does it take away from that concept of loyalty that, as shown in that last quote, some people considered him to be the only choice? I think it's interesting with Thrawn as a character that he is defined by his loyalty to the Chiss Ascendancy, mm-hmm. and yet his final sin in the eyes of his detractors is an absence of loyalty to the Chiss Ascendancy, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, um, it was especially, uh, I, I did go to a small uh, panel with Timothy Zahn at C2E2 this weekend. I got to hear him talk a little bit about Thrawn, and he did mention from his own mouth that Thrawn's only goal is to protect the Chiss Ascendancy. And whatever he does, it's because he thinks that's the best way to do it. And I think on that note, he inspires a lot of loyalty because the people closest to him actually know that. They're like, oh, no matter what you do, I'm a member of the Chiss Ascendancy, so you will do whatever it takes to protect me and those that I care about, so I'm absolutely going to you know, give you everything I got. <clears throat> Additionally, I think that Thrawn is one of the most <laughs> hilariously empathetic people yeah, that we see in Star Wars. I think, obviously, less so in the original trilogy where he was, like, the villain more so, but in, especially mm-hmm. in the Ascendancy trilogy. Another quote from Zahn at this panel, he said, um, Thrawn is the smartest person in the room, but <laughs> if you are willing to learn, he is willing to teach you. He doesn't care if it's Cherry as a child. He doesn't care if it's a syndic or a patriarch. He's like, I will treat you based on the intelligence you give and your willingness to learn, and I think that that is so endearing. 
<clears throat> to, yeah. to see someone as, as smart as him to say, oh, you're going to give me the time of day and respect if I show you that I want to learn from you. I will yeah. die for you because you respect me. Uh, I had this <laughs> I had this goofy thought uh, pop up a couple times while I was reading this reading this and it was kind of inspired by our conversations with uh um Steven in the last couple mm-hmm. um last couple episodes we've had and is uh I I want to write a book on leadership. And I want to call it I want to call it something some kind of self-help book title like 10 lessons in leadership from Grand Admiral Thrawn. Something like that, <laughs> right? Because like that thought occurred to me several times while I was reading this because like Timothy Zahn has I don't I don't know how he has figured this out. I don't know if he's just I don't know if this has come to him like naturally just because he's a, a brilliant writer and really good at storytelling, but he really does capture like Thrawn's leadership really, really well. I've read like a bunch of self help books on leadership, right? Like and there's all these different styles of leadership and goofy acronyms and all this kind of stuff, but like he somehow captures like the the utter essence of leadership in Thrawn, of empathy and mm-hmm. like like a, a really cleanly organized system where everybody has a role and you you build all this camaraderie and trust where everybody is like he he never he never like doubts anybody. He trusts the people that he works with like unbelievably yeah. well. Like I, I love that that this book is like largely in large amount of the book is told from like some macros perspective and like the weapons mm-hmm. officer was a big like is it is that F Afro Afri how do you F- say his name? F- there's F- so F- many Fria? officer Fria? names in this is book. Is Afria the weapons <laughs> officer? I think he is, right? I think he was. He's got that really deep voice in the in the in the audiobook, but like he was a major character and like Thrawn just always gets everybody's opinion, which is weird to everybody as soon as they meet Thrawn. Like he's like, Why does this admiral give a shit what I think? But like I don't know. Like his his leadership is just so inspiring. He's so utterly focused on the mission of like like there's no we have all these character flaws in leadership and all these other characters in this book, right? Of like like Rosku and all these like Rosku is the is the ultimate terrible leader, right? Like yes. she makes all these <laughs> awful mistakes all the way through the book. And like Thrawn is the complete opposite of that. He listens to people he works with, he trusts their opinion. He has this very much like like collaborative like problem solving like style and it's just it's utterly brilliant and like like it's impossible to walk away uh from the book and it it seems like it's impossible for all the characters that really know Thrawn to walk away from dealing with him without thinking that he's the obvious obvious solution to all the problems right like anybody who doesn't trust Thrawn is a moron that's how everybody in the book feels that's how you as the reader feel (laughs) like he just has proven himself time and time and again and he's just an utterly brilliant leader and like I love the character now like I am I am more excited you know I I will freely admit I did roll my eyes a bit when when Ahsoka in Mandalorian was like where's Grand Admiral Thrawn I'm like oh god this is a felony verse is beautiful. It is at times a little cringy, but I am backtracking. <laughs> I'm eating. What, what is it? Eating crow? Is that what you say? I'm eating, eating crow, crow now. You're eating semi crow. Yes, I am. I'm eating. <laughs> I'm eating felony crow, and I I freely admit that I'm wrong, and I'm very excited to see what they do with this character in the grand scheme of Star Wars because I love him. He is such a great character, and I, the last thing I'll say kind of about this and his leadership and why everybody's loyal to, to to him is I feel like, you know, we have commonly kind of complained about like the sort of explaining thing that Thrawn does is a very 
like characteristic pattern of like this thing happens. Everybody's like, "Oh God, what are you gonna do?" And then Thrawn <laughs> just explains it like that happens over and over again in all well, the Thrawn obviously, books. Obviously, this was gonna happen. Exactly. Yeah. I think I think I think Tim Zahn like has figured out the balance of that like absolutely brilliantly in this book. Like it doesn't feel like it's in your face at all, mm-hmm. and it's. I don't know if we're like if we're seeing the character development of Thrawn because it. I don't know if we actually are because he's been around for so long, or if Zahn just got better at telling that aspect of his story or what. But it feels like it feels like he is developed as a character now. Like yeah. this is this is Thrawn. His morals and values and everything. You understand him now. So yeah, I, he, he's I grown like as he, Zahn has probably. Sorry, Wes. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I feel like he he mentors with like. Without even trying, without even yeah. giving it much effort, mm-hmm. so he's he's more he's he's teaching people along the way, and that's probably why they 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 kind of grasp on to being a lot more loyal than they originally would be. Um, just like example of of Cheery, he like how he he like helped her navigate on the one mission in the in the prior book, and and she brought that up in this book. Um, about like why can't we go with uh, Senior Captain Thrawn? Why can't we go hang out with him? Kind of stuff, and it's I mean it's hard to to grasp the the loyalty from a child. They either like you or they don't. Mm-hmm. And I think he he tries he's he mentors people and he mm-hmm. teaches them. Right. Kind of. I mean that's just that's his <clears throat> that's his ability that he is. I don't know that he's very aware of, but he does yeah. it like without even thinking about that it. That was, I'm glad you and, brought that up. The cheery thing. That was brilliant. Yeah. I love that. That was yeah. like one of my favorite scenes in the book. And when like, when everything depended on, on cheery and she was even loyal to Thrawn. the freaking 10 year old girl was yeah. ultimate loyal to Thrawn. I love that. Wes. Good yeah. yeah. And, it, and I think Angelina in the chat brings <laughs> up a great point. Uh, says very anxious that they're going to make the character in the show, like cartoon villainy. Mm. Right. And I think that, you know, if all you know of Thrawn is Rebels, you might not, like, you know, see as much of this. But I think that Filoni is really good at taking evil characters and their third act is the redemption, right? Mm. I mean, you think of Callus and Rebels. You think of, like, all these characters that have gotten this yeah, term with this much text about his empathy <clears throat> and about his leadership. I, I personally think that the best use of him, hopefully, is to it's, – it's the Loki thing. It's the all right. The last night, the villain joins the heroes, yeah. and I think um, Ahsoka going to find him. Hopefully, we get more of this ascendancy Thrawn because I do agree, as you guys are saying, this is the most interesting version of that character that incorporates that empathy, that incorporates that teaching, and that everyone is going to be loyal to. If Ezra is stuck with him for six months on an asteroid, he's going to be loyal to him too. You know, yeah. <laughs> like yeah, no. Thrawn. Thrawn is. I really like how you brought up that they changed how he. Uh, kind of taught people how he spoke with people yeah. he he is that teacher that we probably all had that we hated in the moment because we were like i don't understand this what is the answer and they're like no no, no. yeah work yeah. through it and we're gonna figure out where you're going wrong and then you're gonna actually yeah. learn the thing and you're like no what is nine times nine um and and in hindsight those are the people that teach you the most because you know they right. it's the whole give a man a fish teach a man a fish thing right so mm-hmm. I thought that was pretty incredible as well. Um, I like I like everything y'all had to say. I want to ask you the flip question of what I just asked you, based on another quote from page five thirty eight, uh, and it's from the. This is practically the very end when Thrawn is at this tribunal, and he's asked, "Have you anything further to say in your defense before your sentence is passed?" No, Supreme Admiral Thrawn said. 
His voice was even, almost calm. But Bakif could hear the pain there, the frustration and weariness. He'd fought so long and so hard in the Ascendancy's defense, only to have his dedication turned against him. So on that flip side of that question, Thrawn is treated pretty horribly by the majority of the people who have any power in the Ascendancy. Yeah. What is it then about it that keeps him so loyal to the Ascendancy? He doesn't seem to agree with the practices that made the Ascendancy what it is. He doesn't Mm -hmm. seem to agree with the vast majority of the people who are running the the Ascendancy itself. So why in the world is he letting himself be exiled, going to lesser space, putting himself through the horrible things that happened to him, going through the Empire? Why is he doing all that for this thing, this entity that rejects him. It's it's the leadership, man. It's the 10 lessons in leadership from yeah. Grand Admiral Thrawn. This is the number one. You guys, listen, <laughs> you guys know like one of my favorite, maybe my favorite book, book, my favorite book of all time <laughs> is Extreme Ownership by Jocko Willink. It's, uh, it's yeah. Lessons in Leadership by a Navy SEAL. Uh, and it's it's shaped my life. Holy crap. The the, the principles that, that put forward is unbelievable in, in those books. You should read them sometime. Not Star Wars advice. There you go. You get it right here. Uh, <laughs> the, one, what the One of the key lessons in leadership that they talk about in that book, which I fully believe and preach and practice, is like the mission. The mission is the primary goal always, right? And like if you ever lose sight of that, then you've lost all ability to be a leader whatsoever. And Thrawn understands the mission better than all the other people in charge of the of the ascendancy that's why he's still loyal because mm-hmm. like he's such a purist like he understands that the mission is to protect the ascendancy that's why he lives and exists like the fact that his eyes glaze over and he talks about like i will do anything even the darkest thing possible if that's what it takes to protect the ascendancy right mm-hmm. so like yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I get it. I get that, like, it's frustrating and stuff that, that the Syndicator always doesn't see it. and But, like, Thrawn does see it, and I think that's what makes him such a likable, likable character. I think we, we, we see and understand that, mm-hmm. that, like, the hero is the most important character, and only they are capable of finding the solution, yeah. right? And that, that story is powerful, and it's been in Star Wars forever. Well, and I think, like, and this might be a stretch, but as you were talking there, Charles, the first thing that came into my head is, like, well, why did people of color volunteer to fight in World War II? Because, yeah. like, this they is get a the country. Mission. They understand the mission. <laughs> like, this is a, I mean, it was a country that would say, you're not worthy. We, we hate you. You don't get the rights that the people do. And yet, there was something bigger to it. And obviously, that's a much more complicated issue, but it, it just sounds like, you know, there's that idea that sometimes even though you know there is an unjust system, you know there are people fighting against you, you are such a bigger person and full of compassion for those, for your people, for your countrymen, for whatever it may be. That's the definition of the non-toxic version of patriotism, non-toxic version of loyalty. It's not nationalism, it's patriotism. Because Thrawn is like, I am not beholden to the patriarchs he breaks all the rules of the ascendancy as well he loves it he's like these rules suck i'm not going to follow them (laughs) because i am beyond that i am beyond the corrupt practices of of men that don't understand this place that i love that didn't name me a myth originally that didn't want to accept me that is going to exile me whatever that's fine because at the end of the day what i'm doing is so much more important and i think that that story is everlasting throughout all of human history. There's always been people that have fought for places that aren't going to respect them because they know life is bigger than them. 
And I think Thrawn, and I think, as we said earlier, the people that see Thrawn see that in him. And how can you not be loyal to someone that's going to do that? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. And is he, maybe he's loyal to the Ascendancy because they're the ones that provided him that place in power, I Mm. guess. Mm. So if, if they hadn't, if they hadn't gone through and, I guess, elevate him to these, uh, either the nine or the 40, yeah. then he could have been somewhere off doing something else, something along the same lines of maybe like leading, but not doing military leadership in a, in a, in a heightened status to where he could actually make a difference. Yeah. So maybe he's, there's a, a small part of that. Yeah. I like that. It was the same yeah. stale regime that actually put him in the position to make the difference that he's making. That's, yeah. that's a cool yeah. thought. Um, well, let's, Jump to another quote here about Thrawn reflecting on his traumatic past. And I'm going to ask Wes to cue something up here in a minute that I I think we'll enjoy. This is a little surprise for everybody. Uh, The quote says this, some losses run too deep to ever fully heal. Thrash studied his face, noting the fresh tension lines in his cheeks and throat. You sound like you've had experience. Thrawn shrugged slightly. No more than many others in the ascendancy have suffered, he said, the tension line smoothing out. Though it took conscious effort, Thrass saw. Whatever pain was lurking behind those eyes, it wasn't going away anytime soon. And before we discuss the source of the pain that is behind those eyes, those red, red eyes, I want to take a second to play some audio from the earliest roundtable that the Living Force podcast has on YouTube. No! Yes, it was actually <laughs> the first... The, it was first on Facebook Live. It was not even on YouTube at the time because it was <laughs> August 30th of 2018 when we Holy reviewed crap. Thrawn Alliances. And uh, let's just play the clip, and I'll comment on it afterwards. So, Wes, whenever you're ready. Was Thrawn Force-sensitive? What do you guys think about that? Well, was just, I, I thought it said they had to be all females. Is that not true? It said they're, they're most commonly are Oh, that's interesting. That's interesting. Maybe I almost wonder if it's, if it's you know maybe a step further than than himself maybe it's a daughter or a sibling or something of that nature <laughs> so that, that was the Harry, earliest round table we were, we were how did you what? freaking find this i i remember everything you've ever said to me Corey helton be careful uh, oh god oh no no i thought that was really cool because um there's a quote from uh, I believe it was actually Thrawn Treason, where there, it was first kind of insinuated that something involving the Skywalkers had to do intimately with Thrawn himself. And we talked about it from the very beginning. Corey, I wanted to give you a shout out for saying way back when that it may have been a sibling. Because as we learn in this book, Thrawn's got a sister, right? Yeah. We, we went into this from Legends thinking Thrawn has a brother. Maybe he kind of does have a brother. We're going to get to that. Uh, but he has a sister, and his sister was Borica. And uh, wow, how how crazy was was that reveal? Let's talk about her. I want to know: Did that have an impact on you? Like, did it? And beyond that, besides it having an impact on you as a reader, did it make sense that it had such an impact on Thrawn that even years down the line, when we're in the first? Thrawn trilogy, the canon Thrawn trilogy, that he's still looking back wistfully, essentially, on the time that he had with this long-lost sister. Yeah, that was awesome. I do, I, I, do, I, do remember, <laughs> I do remember having that conversation. I've had it in the back of my mind that we speculated. Somebody did. We did or something did that, that, that their Thrawn had a sister and maybe that was mm-hmm. 
a Skywalker or something like that. But I, I didn't know if the, I didn't know that was my original thought. Holy crap! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> did, you, did you remember that to... I said that? How did you find that audio <laughs> quote? No, I remembered just that we talked about it, and so I went back and looked, and I was really, I was really disappointed to find out it was you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Oh I didn't. God. I didn't want to give you this credit live yeah. on the air, but Just, I had to. Both yeah. Heather and Kate were in were in that roundtable. Yes, well. oh my God. Wow. So, um, yeah. I I want to call Stephanie Mack in our chat here because uh, she she says exactly what I felt <clears throat> during this. Said I cried when Borica refused to see Thrawn, saying, "There's no point. I don't remember him." Yeah, and yeah. I think what a brilliant move as a writer to give us this reveal but not allow us the closure of the meat because it's physically impossible like it reminds me of uh like like the red like the black widow training facility like what they do like you know with the yeah in marvel it's like oh it's so horrendous but now you know there's a future for it but the cost is that relationship and yeah. seeing how much thrawn wanted to find her and then we as readers got what thrawn does and, and it's just like it was it was very hard, and I thought a great move, a really great move thematically, and one of the biggest emotional gut punches Zahn has ever written for me. Yeah, wow. yeah. I mean, I, I expected, I did expect that to be the case. Like, like when they were building it up to it in the story, like I, I kind of saw it coming. Um, I thought the, the reveal was was very good. I think it made the. It made the conversation that Thalia's kind of initiated about, like, maybe we should stop this kind of dramatizing thing that we do as the Chist Ascendancy. <laughs> it made that a more powerful argument that even, like, this researcher, this leader of that program is, like, also kind of a result of that. And she even feels emotionally impacted by it, right? Yeah. So, like, I-, I thought that that made the point, like, like hit harder. And I thought it was brilliant writing. Um I, I kind of want to know what else happens with with her as a character now. Yeah. Like I, I I could see this as a a sort of a you know a side plot that is never expanded on. I would be kind of surprised if we ever learn anything else about this. To be honest, but I agree. But I'd like it. But no, I don't. would. I think I would enjoy it a lot. I mean, I think it's a very interesting and emotional thing that this alien race and Star Wars. Like, how deep of a cut is this? By the way, holy crap! Yeah. Like this is like the movies. Beyond the movies, this character, sister of the character, of this alien race that the character is, and this weird traumatizing thing that they do. And we all want to learn more about it. Like, that is brilliant writing on Zahn's part to build all that up like that. It's really good. Really, really good. Did Zahn ever allude to Thrawn having a sister before this book or before this trilogy? I think think so. I think... In this trilogy, he did. I think in the, in the last book, in the Greater Good, because the Greater Good came out what three weeks ago, eight months ago, who knows? <laughs> um, like, <laughs> I'm pretty sure Greater Good talked about it because when it came out, I was like, "I'm Thrawn's sister." My thought was, "That's the sister." Not wait, he has a sister, and that's that. Mm-hmm. I, th- I feel like that was a, there was a preamble to it earlier. Okay, but it wasn't in the first canon trilogy, right? Or was <clears throat> it? no? Because I think that's what we were just we were. No. Yeah, okay. Charles. Right. You, Charles, you just listened to our roundtable, so. Yeah, no, there were quotes about that he had, basically the quote that that really jumped out from the first Canon Throne trilogy, he said something along the lines of, like, to make the Ascendancy what it is, like, the Chiss themselves have to make sacrifices, and, like, we've all had to make these sacrifices, and they noticed that he he was talking about something that seemed very personal. That was really the only inclination that 
trilogy gave us this is the trilogy that really fleshed out what okay. what yeah, was that chat's got us <laughs> we got three people saying chaos rising so yes it was chaos rising okay yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I do chaos remember rising. it but i don't i don't i don't think he ever actually did he actually verbalize that i have a sister and she was a skywalker did that actually he, get verbalized he said he, he said about having a sister i remember that that he, the word <laughs> sister mm, but yes okay. thank you all for, yeah, for is no that, more than we do. Is that you, sister? 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 <laughs> Sorry. Um, a sister. <laughs> you have a sister. <laughs> so we'll talk more about the sister herself uh, later on, probably in part two of the roundtable. But while Thrawn may have lost a sister, he did kind of gain a brother, right? Page 548, here's a quote for you. Uh, this is right mm-hmm. after... Thrawn has has been told that he is going to be exiled. He's met he's meeting with Bakif, and Bakif is like, "Hey, bro, you want to go get lunch before no one ever sees you again?" And <laughs> <laughs> Thrawn says, "There's a bistro where Thras and I used to meet. I'd like to spend my last evening on Chila remembering him," which is pretty heartbreaking. And yeah. surprisingly wholesome. I think I texted you guys yeah. that. I was like, yeah. the ending of this book was surprisingly wholesome. It was. In the best way possible. It like, was. It was. Yeah. And and as we transition from Thrawn to Thrask, because that's where we're going here, I want to know, why do you all feel that Thrask was so important to Thrawn? Why did that brother relationship <clears throat> mean so much? So we've, we've had a lot of people tell Theron along the way. This is what I loved about this character. We've had a lot of people tell Theron along the way that he's not good at politics, right? Like he's, yes. not, <laughs> he's not good at social interactions. Yeah. He doesn't understand sarcasm, all those classic tropes, right? That's been throughout this entire, every Theron book in canon has been heavy with this, right? Mm-hmm. Thras is the only person that has like been able to tell it in a way that Theron understands, Right, like, like he yeah. talks. He talks about it just so like he doesn't even mean to teach Thrawn lessons. But there was that whole bar fight that happened, and the big yeah. lesson that they took away from it, like yeah. that. Like he he shows Thrawn that he's not very good at, at at politics. He doesn't just tell him, and like he's the only person that Thrawn has listened to so far about it. The other, the only other thing I would I would make a point about too is. I really enjoyed the memories. Every time it, it in the audio book, it's like special. There's like a little sound effect, and it goes, <laughs> it goes memories. memories. Yeah, <laughs> it's, like a little, it's a little thing that happens. So you're like, oh, cool, this is gonna be fun. And, like, and me and Corey yeah. both like, ooh, I know. Yeah, it was it was special good. treats. I really enjoyed the way it was set up, and it was very good. It wasn't just classic flashbacks. Like mm-hmm. it was a little audio book thing they did, and it was very good. Um, like uh, Thras and. Um, Oh crap! The point I was trying to make was oh, uh, Thras was teaching Thrawn. I, I really enjoyed that uh, Thrawn was very obviously not good at it. And this is what I'm talking about. This is like this is like Zahn's dissertation. Is like mm-hmm. young Thrawn was captured perfectly of like not being able to understand what the hell is going on. Like he just like looks around. Like he doesn't understand that. He does like in Thras would comments and on his internal dialogue would be like. Why doesn't he get this? It's right in front of his face. Like, yeah. and young Thrawn would be like, what? Like, he would actually <laughs> say things that just didn't make any damn sense. It was funny. So, like, to be able to see young Thrawn compared to older Thrawn and, and the way that he, like, points out the obvious things that are happening was very well done. And it is, like, it's very obvious that there is a, there is a, like, 
like problem with the way that young Thrawn talks to the world around him, like compared to the older one. Like it's very much on the nose. So I liked it a lot. Yeah. yeah they're very complimentary of each other. And that, that compliment helped to allow Thrawn to learn those different, like little p- political situations that he kind of understands, but he doesn't voice it. Mm-hmm. He understands a little bit more after being with Thras <clears throat> of those, I don't know, however many years. Yeah. I, I, I Thras's parts were some of, if not my favorite parts of this book. I thought their dialogue, their scenes together were so, they're so tender and also just so well-written that I, I legit through most of the book, and I'm still not wholeheartedly convinced it wasn't like this. Like I absolutely read a slight homosexual relationship between the two of them. I got like <laughs> legit, like date, like they went out on dates, like straight up. And I know they were like brother, like it's, it's a brotherly relationship and it doesn't become romantic. Star Wars allows that. There's a, there's a great. playful, almost flirty nature. To there a lot is, of conversations. especially that was, early that on. was apparent in the, in the audiobook too. I felt like, like, yeah, I, I never felt like it was rom- romantic really is not how I saw it, but it does have that sort of, that playful, flirty yeah. thing, right? And and I think the thing, like, because we never see, th- and and why it jumped out with me so much. Um, and I know a lot of like a like a lot of queer people, queer code Star Wars characters that are like, well, if they're not say that they're queer, I can I can project enough because I you can pick out things to convince yourself, and like you could absolutely do that mm. here. But we never in any Thrawn book in thirty years see him do this kind of thing with anyone else of any gender, any species. True. So I think that's why it jumped out so much for me with Thrawn. I'm like, or with Thras rather, like, oh my God, y'all are playful. Like, I've yeah. never seen Thrawn playful in three decades no. of, of books. And it was my, so fun My, my wife talks about, <laughs> talks about the concept of play is a really interesting concept. And like, she sure. talks about that in therapy all the time. It's like, it's such an... Like she says, I've heard I've heard Caitlin say that she can recognize the success of a relationship in a couple, like based on their ability to play. Right? If you lose mm-hmm. the ability to play, and the concept of play is actually a pretty philosophical concept, but if you lose the ability to play, then like you sort of lose the ability to love in a lot of ways, right? So like, yeah, Thrawn, we've never seen him be so. I don't know. Playful, like I love the board game analogy that happened throughout the yes, throughout the whole yeah. book was kind of there, and it's like they played Tactica. Yeah, Tactica. Yeah. Oh my god, let's let's make a board game out of that and call it Tactica. That sounds fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> like I mean, you you have all these people in this book, and I think every single person, as we said earlier, that's loyal to Thrawn would call him an icon, would would follow him into <clears> battle, but like. No one's texting Thrawn on a Friday being like, dude, where you at? Let's go. Like, except for Thras. <laughs> Thras is, Thra- Thra- Thras it, is the one that's so good. He's that guy in college that's kicking on your door be like, dude, you've been studying for three days. Get your coat. Get your shit. We're going to the club. No, <laughs> right. shut up. We're going. And he would. he's absolutely that guy. And I loved them. And every time there was a time jump, you, you saw them get tighter and tighter and tighter. So that, that quote that you just read, Charles, that was that obviously, as Angelia says in the chat, was crying as they read it. Like, <clears throat> what a beautiful way to remember your best and kind of only real friend. Yeah, yeah. like I want I, pretending that I'm with him on my last mm-hmm. night is better than actually being with anyone else. Yeah, so it's beautiful. Yeah. <clears throat> I love everything you guys are saying. Let's let's kind of formally transition this to Thras because I have some quotes I want to read about him as well. And, uh, and we can keep kind of talking about that relationship because it's interesting to inspect it, I think, from both sides, what Thrawn sees from it and what Thras sees from it. So 
Page 114. Uh, this is talking about Thras. He frowned, a sudden thought occurring to him. He'd noted in Thurfian that personal antagonism toward an individual could be de- detrimental to family loyalty. But was the opposite also true? Could Thras's friendship with Thrawn be clouding his own loyalty to the family in exactly the same way? He gave a little huff. No, of course not. Friendship and kinship were the whole basis of family, after all. Without those connections, the structure would collapse into a mass of individuals striving against one another for personal gain. Later on, we have Patriarch Theraki say, The two of you combine impressive political and military skills, which will put the myth in position to influence future decisions in both the syndicate and the council. We've been watching the two of you for a long time, Thras. Thrawn, since General Bakif was alerted to point to point him out to your colleague, Syndic Thurfian, you from, well, from your birth. No one forces friendship or brotherhood on anyone. I merely noted how well you and Thrawn got along, how your interests meshed, how comfortable he was with you. As you may have noticed, he's not particularly comfortable with many people. And then lastly, in Thras's final moments, he thinks this. May warriors' fortunes smile on our efforts. And if not on theirs, he added silently, perhaps warriors' fortune would smile on Thrawn, the man who was and who had always truly been his brother. So that last bit... It's going to be misty just you reading it, man. I know, man. <laughs> it's good. It's like, it's... it's and I, I think that's... I think that... It's great. No, we kind of went on. We kind of went on this weird, this weird vibe, like, tangent with Thrawn and this romantic possible relationship but like i i think the, the the brother the brother analogy is a is a intimate type of relationship that yeah. is you are my brother just, anakin that yes, line like it is come it's on beyond, it's, it's beyond just friendship and i i loved that i love that it was th- like so we haven't we haven't talked about this yet but when they when they name drop the whole brother thing it was like a family thing to make a situation like come together and that sort of thing Mm -hmm. i loved that zahn had thrawn be the character to bring it back up yeah like it wasn't thrash that brought it back up it was thrawn that brought it back up and he like had reflected on that like like his obvious like i think thrash even said something along the lines of like Thrawn is like oblivious to the world and 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 politics all this. So I didn't think he even noticed, right? But he obviously did, and he's reflected on it for a long time. Like it kind of seemed like it was years between the time periods and when she when she brought mm-hmm. it back up, right? So right. Well, it's, I it's, love that that Thrawn was the one that did it. I I a hundred percent agree with you because Thrawn is the kid sitting by himself in elementary <laughs> school in the cafeteria, and Thras was the guy who was like. Come sit with me and my friends. Exactly. Exactly. Great analogy. I want that as an animated short on this week (laughs) in Star Wars. I do not care that you smell like pee. Come over here and hang out with us. No, but really, I mean, Thrawn was, his entire life was kind of being pushed away by people. Thras not only welcomed him in, but like claimed Thrawn, he's like, that's my boy, like that's my brother, and <laughs> yeah. like that meant he's so his, much. He's his duos partner. Come on, Wes, you get it. Thrawn and Thras play yeah. duos. They absolutely <laughs> drop in together, and they get pissed off whenever they don't play with each other. They go, oh, you play without me? And then Thrawn, solos. <laughs> yeah, Thrawn logs in on Xbox Live when he's when he's in the Empire, and then he looks and it says Thras offline. And he's just been offline for years, and then just <laughs> oh hits my it every god, time. dude, oh, final time man. they played. <laughs> All right. Well, rough. that was. Well, rough. I'm curious as we kind of talk about Thras here. 
what led Thrast to name Thrawn his brother, do you think? Like, what really was it? Like, yes, there's the tactical advantage of having Thrawn on your side. In the moment, right. Right, but but what led him to really name him? Like, no, this is my brother. And how did you view that development with how it was done here in canon in lieu of the fact that Thrass was actually Thrawn's brother in Legends? Mm. I, think I have a short was... answer. Okay, go, yeah, go ahead. All right, my, my, my short one is I, th- I think... The beauty and harshness simultaneously of the Chiss Ascendancy is that family is a business arrangement. That yes. the brilliance of this of this trilogy is that we learned family is Game of Thrones style. Yep. You you become a family, you apply, you steal, so it is neutralized. But because it's neutralized, it's also secretly the thing that means the most. So he's like, what what is the most honorific thing I can call my best friend, my essentially soul companion. I'm going to take back the idea of brother. It's not political. It's not military. It is actually, you're the only person that I will call brother in the traditional meaning of family. And I'm like, and I think that he's like, that's the only word is the highest honorific he can get because the ascendancy tried to strip it down and he reclaims it for, for Thrawn and Thress. Yeah. I think it originated in that, uh, that first time that we see we see Thras meet that that other family representative, you know what I'm talking about? Like yes. in, in that there's that bar the scene, beginning. yeah, and the first time where yeah. they're, they're meeting, and he's like, he's like, why should Thrawn listen to you? And Thras is like, he reflected on it for a moment, and he's like, well, he's my friend. That's why. Like he's my, yeah. you know, we're we're <laughs> friends. We care about each other. And the other guy was like. What the hell do I do with this? Like, he had no idea. <laughs> Friendship. What? Exactly. He had no yeah. idea what to do with the business situation. Like, so, like, I think he almost oh. like he projected that early on, in which like he started to believe it, and like he actually yeah. did enjoy getting to know Thrawn and get inside his his crazy head. And I don't know. Like, it, it became a relationship out of necessity, but then it developed into something more than that. I think. And Thras yeah. feels like one of the only characters in the history of Thrawn to like actually understand Thrawn beyond just like a tactical level. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and he's not—he's not out looking to. I mean, I guess they all are—they're all looking to 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 build up their family. But I mean, he was look—he—it's like they're they're more for the relationship than they were mm-hmm. for being part of the nine, being like trying to be the highest part of the nine or something. Yeah. They're trying to get to know each other and before anything other than that you know what i realized as we're talking about this because this is one of our most like emotional chats and emotional i think talks about character relationships we've had all year and the two i think strongest relationships we've had this year are thrawn and thras and then elzar and stellan because it's very similar <laughs> yeah. they're both in structures that are are very much anti-connection are not about blood relationships but when it comes down to it you will be there for your brother and, like, at the end, when, when Elzar's like, Stella and I messed up, Stellan's like, I'm not a council member. I'm not a Jedi. My brother needs help. I will help you. And yes. this it's exactly the same with Thras and Thrawn. And you know what I always say, guys? Writers write for the times in which they live. Maybe we all just need a goddamn friend. Okay? <laughs> strip strip like, away the titles. Strip away all guys, the titles. Just tell this your brothers you friend. love them, man. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. I hate you guys. 
hate you wow. so much. I can't wait to see you. I hate you so much. I hate you. I mean, I, I, I'm here out of a business <laughs> decision and no other reason. All right. That's the only reason why we're here. Right. <laughs> oh. Corey is the chiss out of all of us for what for what that's worth. <laughs> Um, oh well, let's God. let's move from <laughs> this talk of brotherhood. I'd like to kind of pivot and talk about some of the women in this trilogy, in this book in particular. And I want to talk about Thalius and uh, and Cherry together as a team because they really mm-hmm. are a team, right? Um, here's a quote for you from page five thirty. Thalius says, "I said I'd be with you the whole way." Thalius reminded her as she took the girl's hand, "And I will, even if it takes forever." Yes, Thalia's promised quietly, a chill running up her back, even if it takes forever. <clears throat> and this pair had a really interesting journey in this book. They've had a very strong bond, <laughs> really from the very beginning of Chaos Rising yeah. up through this novel. Yeah. But this book, they really kind of broke out of just being members of the Springhawk crew. And they really had an impact on a larger story, or it, or it very much seems like they're going to. Yeah, They're not only exploring the past of what it means to be a Skywalker, but they're pushing the boundaries of, of what the abilities are of Skywalkers, period, as they're understood. Yeah. So I'm curious with this, you know, did this storyline regarding the Skywalkers hold enough weight for you knowing there's currently nothing involving them at this point in the future and did you feel like where we left Thalius and Cherry at the end of this book did justice for their story up to that point like were you happy with where things ended for them oh yeah that's a good, that's a good question they're I like awesome that. I mean <clears throat> we Basically, you get the dream scenario of like, oh, when you're a kid, I idolize my babysitter. I wish we could hang out and do adventures forever. That happens. <laughs> and then it becomes like, oh, wait. I hated my me, babysitter. You're telling me, well, hypothetically, you're telling me two women discover the dark secret of mostly a male-dominated species and end it with a teaser scene of like, all right, let's burn it to the ground. That's amazing. Like, like I, I, I don't know if we have anything else with them, but the two of them going with Thrawn's sister to be like, they've been taking our memories. Time to take it down. Like, the hell with also, the patriarchy. Real, like, literally. Literally with yeah, the patriarchs. Yeah. Like, it is them. Like, I can, I'm stronger than you. I can touch the force in a way no chiss has ever done ever, right. and I'm 12. Right. And, it and seems also like- my... It's incredible. I it love like, it. It seems like Phileas is like slowly figuring out that maybe she can re-get that. Is like, yeah, that what was, the hell? That's that a big reveal. Yes. yes. That was very interesting. Yes. I like that a lot. That that moment yeah. where yeah. she thought that Thrawn was referred to as the Guardian. You remember that? Yeah. And, and Dude, Sherry that was, was like, over, man. Yeah, Sherry was like, I, I don't remember telling you that. And she was like, how did I know that? Like, is the, is the mage yeah. sending me thoughts to you? That was, that was incredible. Yeah, they're so they're just so cool. It's a great pair. Yeah, I, 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 I like it a lot. I mean, we didn't get as much development with with Cheery and Thalius in this book, which I thought was okay. But I think, I think yeah. we we finished it in a in a really good place. I feel like yeah, more than in more than in two. Cause I I did miss them in Greater Good. I like Chaos Rising. Thalius was definitely <clears throat> the co co protagonist. Greater Good. It became more with uh with Lakinda at that point than Zayinda. And then this one, I felt like they they evened it out a smidge more mm-hmm. because, you know, the Skywalker plotline weirdly had nothing to do with Thrawn. So to, to by the end of it, 
right? He wasn't even, he literally wasn't there. Yeah. So to do an entire plot line about what the Force means in the Achista Senate <clears throat> secretly within a Thrawn trilogy, like underneath the Thrawn chapters, I'm like, dang, that could have been a trilogy. Yeah, Just a whole, discovering a, what the Force is. Really good deep yeah. cut, too. I, You know, I also really like, this is a subtle point, but I really like that Keylori figured it out at the very end. That was like, cool. What the, Skywalkers, really cool. what the <laughs> yeah. Skywalkers do. And like, like, what is he going to do with that information? Like, That's a great question. That is, in, that is interesting. I'm excited to talk about Keylori at some point next yeah. week. We don't we'd have a lot. This is going to be next no, he'll, time. But he'll like, be next week. Next but he's, week. He, that, that shifty bastard. I, I'm, I'm, yeah. <laughs> he reminds me of the uh, the blue guy in The Mandalorian that keeps surviving <laughs> yeah, stuff. Yeah, he does. Yeah, uh, he does. That's yeah. how I picture I'm, him. I'm just here. I don't know. Bobby Moynihan. <laughs> 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 I, liked how, I liked how Thalius got more and more confidence throughout this trilogy. Mm. Oh, she yeah. Got, yeah, super confident. To the point that she super pulled a Sharik on the patriarch of her Absolutely. family. Dude, she pulled a gun on I'm, him, man. Like, what the and hell? I'm glad, I'm glad y'all brought that up. And <laughs> this was more along the lines of what the audiobook brings um, mm -hmm. in terms of listening and the, the background music. So I'm going to play this, and hopefully everybody can hear it. The volcano option. Only this time it's more personal. She put her hand into her side jacket pocket and wrapped her fingers around the hard, cold metal concealed there. Your death and mine. Right here. Right now. I mean... Wow. It's she. Amazing. Yeah, it is. I, said, <laughs> I know, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm that telling music. you, the audiobook productions, if you've never been convinced... Holy crap! You have to listen to the music is unbelievably good. Holy crap! And that I I I compared that. That's just the with Anakin, um, like just about ready to fight Obi Wan. Yes, oh my God, and I yeah. had to turn the mower off and go back <laughs> and and pull out my phone and screenshot that one instance so I could come back and and get that clip so I could play because it, it was so impactful. But I was like, no way she pulled out a chart. I, like, I, I did not see that shit listen. coming at all no. either when I got to that. That was that like, holy whole, crap. Yeah, she's going to kill him. That whole sequence in that she got she got the buy-in from one of Thurfian's like, security yeah. guards. Yeah, exactly. To, like, to, just to sit there and shut up and like make everybody else sit there as well. Amazing. I mean, I, Mark Thompson is a genius, just like yeah. Angelia said in the chat. I mean, like you get to the point where we this trilogy with Thalius and Cherry, Thalius starts as like, I'd like to meet Thrawn. I think he's cool to, like, I have climbed the mountain of the myth, and I will shoot you in cold blood. And then we get Cherry, who's like, I'm tired. I want a fruit snack, to, like, I embody the soul of the Magus. I'm committing mutiny. I like, command the Force. Like, I know. The, it's the really journey, good. Like, I, yeah, the journey has Thrawn been very, very good. I, th yeah. this, this trilogy has been as much about Thalius and Cherry as it has been everybody else. Like, it's easily, it's easily. so good. Yeah. I love that. From from juice boxes to mutiny, the story of Cherry. <laughs> um, new shirts coming soon. Yes, the new short of Star Wars Kids. <laughs> I wish that we could talk a little bit more about them, but I really want to touch on one more character before we close things out for tonight. It's a really good transition point. I almost skipped this character altogether. Y'all can even see in the outline; it's actually all highlighted in red text uh, because I, we almost skipped this entirely. But it's important, I think, to talk about this quickly. So. Absolutely. Rosku, I want to talk about this character because her journey was really important. I think in understanding Thrawn, it provides a nice different point of view. And it, it was a new character for this book. 
right? Anytime you're in the third uh, act of a story and you introduce someone new, you're kind of like, whoa, what is, what is this? Like, who, how could Where this be been? important? Yeah, <laughs> but it was. So from page 298, here's a, here's a quote for you. No, the captain and the first officer shouldn't have secrets between them, unless those secrets were dark and shameful, such as the true reason Roscoe had left the expansionary defense fleet. Not out of some high-minded protest against Thrawn and Aralani, but because a month after the Garwean incident, Roscoe had herself been brought up on charges for a minor protocol infraction. It had been a small lapse, certainly far milder than the crime Thrawn had committed. Only in her case, no one came to her defense. No one worked tirelessly to clear her name. In the end, all they did was offer her the choice between official discipline and quiet departure. She'd chosen the latter and had never regretted it. And then had come Plecknock. The fact that the Klar had emerged from that incident more or less intact didn't matter. The fact that no one had died and the family had even managed to save face didn't matter. What mattered was that the myth and the Stiblin knew the truth about Plecknock. They knew that her part they knew what her part had been, and they knew how she'd failed, just like she'd failed to hold on to a position in the expansionary defense fleet. Worst of all, Thrawn knew. There was a score that needed to be settled between her family and Thrawn's. So even though Roscoe sucked for the majority of this book, <laughs> even if you didn't always like her as a character, were you sympathetic to her story about Thrawn's special treatment? Because here they are, in her eyes, mind you, even if you don't agree that this was an objective representation of what happened, in her eyes, they both committed in- infractions to Chiss ascendancy protocols. She gets kicked out of the military. Thrawn gets his rear end covered time and time and time and time again. Do you understand where she's coming from? How the ascendancy and the people within it can grow to resent Thrawn as a figure. Yeah, totally. And I, because this leads into what Angelina just said in the chat, this moment (laughs) uh, about Roscoe. Yeah. Once you see it, uh, at one point, Rutro gets Roscoe to totally diss Aralani while she's like on speakerphone. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Totally baiting, it, it totally was, baiting her. It was amazing <laughs> because I think what Roscoe realizes is that you can try to do what Thrawn does, but if you are not as good at it as Thrawn, which spoiler, no one <clears throat> is, yep. you will <clears throat> fail and suck. And I think that's what Roscoe thinks is like I Roscoe wants to basically beat Thrawn and get get away with a lot of the stuff. But just straight up isn't as good at it for a bunch yeah. of reasons, and is, is like always frustrated by it. Also, the Clark family, I'm like, they, I, this this family sucks. Yes, like, dude, they just... suck so hard. Oh my <laughs> god, Mark, so Mark Thomas's portrayal Clark. of everybody in the Clark was phenomenal. The accent that he gave, like Rosku, was just like like she was so much like in your face of like. This family sucks. Everything about them sucks. Like every decision she made everywhere along the way was awful. Like, and this whole minor if incident that Plecknock yeah. was not a minor incident. Right. No, yeah. she was no. straight up gonna steal a whole ship full of cargo from this other family. And isn't she? Correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't she like part of the like expansionary defense fleet at that time? She is, right? She is because she gets she gets kicked out. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so, so she like straight that, yeah. up breaks all the no family politics in the fleet yep. like stuff like yeah. like I mean she's very much part of the Clark family even at that moment. Yeah. So I was like, no, screw this, right screw this lady. Like she sucks. Yeah. 
Well, and you keep mentioning but Mark Thompson. <clears throat> and real quick, we haven't talked about this in months, but I saw Stephanie said, got to get on the audiobooks. You're absolutely right. And you know where you can do that? Utini.com slash audible. If you've never tried the audiobooks, go to <clears throat> utini.com slash audible. Sign up. You get your first book on us for free. No matter what it is, and you can cancel it after. Yeah, yeah. If, it, if it's not your it's thing, it's a trial. You keep, it's a trial. You, you start the trial when you cancel it. I mean, you can do that you after the first the month. It's fine. Yeah, you keep you, the book. If only you want this book, you can do that. But honestly, once you start Audible, you're not going to want to cancel it. Utini.com/slash/audible. Get this for free, or get plug, Fallen Star plug. for free on your first book. We haven't plugged that in forever, <laughs> but that is still live. Yes. Anyway, Wes, go ahead. Well, I don't even know. Oh, didn't Rose Scoot? Uh, I mean. Swing it all the way back around, and she was one. The, you know, she was the one that came back mm-hmm. as part of Thrawn's party, right at the very yep. end, yeah. mm-hmm. where she came yeah. back to. I do appreciate that. Neighbor, I do appreciate that she's good enough neighbor. of a leader that, like, there was that there was that scene with the with the asteroid and like Arlani was trying to save her ass or whatever, and like mm-hmm. she and, like she, she like calls, immediately flipped. She calls her a blithering ass, I think, over the <laughs> calm. Yeah, it's it's. It's incredible. She's just like utterly stunned into silence. Like of like, holy yeah. crap, did she just say that? Like live on the bridge? Like everybody yeah. heard it. <laughs> yeah, I love that. That she immediately flipped. She analyzed the situation was like, holy shit, I'm absolutely in the wrong. Let me change gears and actually get out of this situation. Like that was that was beautiful. And it redeemed like the that. character. And for yeah. sure. Like she, like she was like likable for the rest of the book after that. But oh my god, up to that point. Dude, mm-hmm. the, the best character ever because she's designed in a way in which you absolutely hate her, and like it, it, it worked <laughs> really yeah. well, especially yeah. in the audiobook. Because you know what th- the Thrawn, tri- Thr- Thrawn trilogy, that's awful, uh, teaches us is that, as Zahn says, if you are willing to learn and admit your mistakes, you can be a good person no matter what it is. Thrawn is willing to accept that. Rosku is bad, 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 and then owns up to her mistakes yeah. and then becomes better. Like, as readers, that that's the lesson of of Thrawn. It's like if you are willing to listen to the smartest person in the room, you will then become the smartest person in the room. Yeah. Like that's all that is. And Rosku is that person that is like, I'm resentful, I'm resentful, I'm resentful. But if you let go of that resentment and actually just try to be the best version of that person, bam, <clears throat> you defeat the Grisk. Really good point. Really mm. good point, Eric. Timely message from Eric Eilerson. <laughs> he's got to listen listen to the smartest people in the room folks it's the great way to live well i think it's a great stopping point because next week we are going to move from not just the people who <clears throat> disliked thrawn but the people who are actively working against thrawn and Ba-ba. then we'll move into some overarching questions as we always do some easter eggs as always it's going to be a good time you don't want to miss it for this week though i'm going to kick it back to eric to take us home all right, thank you, Charles. Yes, next week will be the second part of our final roundtable of 2021. And we want to end tonight's show by, again, telling you that the Utini voting is open. If you loved Thrawn Ascendancy, Lesser Evil, guess what? It's up for Book of the Year. It absolutely is. Head over to utini.com slash awards. Get your ballot cast. And then tune in on Monday, December 27th, when we are going to reveal the winners live on the show Uh, It's going to be very exciting. But, of course, next week on the 20th, we'll be talking part two. And, uh, you know, we're going to end this here with a bang. Maybe the most roundtables we've ever done. Maybe the most books we've had in this shorter span with this great quality. But we couldn't ask for more. Uh, Wonderful way to end the year. Thank you all for being here tonight. Thanks to all of you for listening. Because my friend's dad will do it. 
for this week's episode of The Living Force. If you support us on Patreon, thank you so much. You're the reason we're able to do things like this, and we can't wait to show you what we're doing for you in 2022. A special thank you, as always, goes out to Cheryl Bell, OK Endar, Jeremy Kazina, JG Karst, Earl Q, Patrick Ortiz, and Carl Sander on our Jedi High Council, and Matt Billington, Tyler Latour, Elizabeth Cloutier, Jason Mitchell, Freddie C, and Sally, and Chris Eilerson on our Alliance High Command. You can find us on Twitter. The show is at Living Force Pod. I am at Eric Eilerson. Corey is at Doc Star Wars MD. Charles is at C. Hankel. And Wes is at Boss Wet. A special thank you to Matt Davenport, our amazing editor. Ryan, our graphic designer extraordinaire. And Wes, our producer and community manager. Thanks to Corey, Charles, and Wes for potting with me tonight. Thanks to all of you for tuning in. Go to utd.com slash awards and cast your ballot today. And as always, may the force be with you. There is no hatred. There is joy. There is no division. There is union. There is no apathy. There is passion. There is no gatekeeping. There is community. This is the Utini Star Wars Fan Code. Embrace it. Live by it. And above all, trust in the living force. Join the Utini community and surround yourself with like-minded fans at utini.com. And remember, the force will be with you. Always.